0: I want to spend some time, really I want to spend a lot of time, talking
1: about the Miami Dolphins versus the Cincinnati Bengals, specifically what happened to Tua Tagovailoa or Tua Tungovailoa last night. I know it's spelled Tagovailoa, but I've heard people pronounce it Tungovailoa. I've been announcing it and pronouncing it
0: both ways. I apologize. I want to talk about his injury and I want to talk about concussions and
1: kind of the reaction overall from a lot of different perspectives about Tua's head injury slash concussion slash all of slash SIS, which stands for second impact syndrome. And then we'll get into game day picks for Sunday I have no idea what I'll do for tomorrow. You know, I'll take tomorrow off. I'm going to take Saturday off. No music matters podcast. I I'm just I'm just going to take it off. I don't I don't really feel like doing it this week. Um but we will be back Sunday for two more podcasts. I mean, honestly, I think I need a break a little bit, like a one-day break just because it's just like my voice has been recovering on and off for the last 3 or 4 days ironically enough after to a one against the Ravens about a week ago, I've been having issues and struggling with just my voice being shot and things of that nature. But today I want to talk about Tua. And I want to talk about Tua's injury or Tua's concussion last night that happened on Thursday Night Football. I picked, a, you know, like I don't I don't really care how the game ended. I, I did pick the Dolphins to win. Uh, even if they had won, I wouldn't have cared, to be honest with you, because what I saw last night was incredibly disturbing. And I find that the media at large can be very, very rarely sympathetic, empathetic uh, to a player's plight. They can very, very rarely express um, feelings of remorse and sadness, I believe. I feel like they just talked about Tua's injury in a segment-by-segment basis and not as a very serious life-threatening injury, which it 1,000% was last night. I almost saw somebody die. You, If you watch that game, you almost saw somebody die on the football field. And I was watching the game, and I just just turned it off. Because I'm like, I know they're going to show it a bajillion times without any remorse for the football player, without any consideration to the audience that... You are showing somebody borderline having a Caesar on the football field. You are having somebody experiencing something extraordinarily traumatic to his neurology, to his neural network, to his brain. And me personally speaking, I I don't want to see that happen. I don't want to see Tua borderline like... Have a have a very serious injury on the football field. He's okay, reportedly. He is fine. Report. I don't want to say fine because I don't know the status of two attack of Iloa. But he is. He traveled with the team last night, or this morning, or whatever it was. He is back on a on a plane, and he is in good spirits. He tweeted something out today. Thank God. I don't know if it was from him or from somebody on his team or a family member, but. Whoever tweeted that out, if it was Tua himself, I mean, it was more along the lines of, like, an actual statement, so, with a graphic or whatever, so, like, it was, it was very, very official. Tua tweeted something out saying, I want to thank everyone for all of their prayers and support since the game last night. It was difficult to not be able to finish the game and be there with my teammates, but I am grateful for the support and care I've received from the Dolphins, my friends and family, and all the people who have reached out. I'm feeling much better and focused on recovering so I can get back out on the football field with
0: my teammates. It's great to hear that two is doing okay. Or at the very least, that he's doing better. I'm going to present something that's very, very controversial and a little bit, a little bit flagrant, I would say. So, on Sunday, when I had seen the injury happen, was initial concussion,
1: and it is a concussion, and I will go into why it is a concussion, because you have journalists on their respective shows, you have broadcasters on their respective shows, A, not doing any research, not studying it at all, not doing like, 30, 40 minutes of prep, potentially. And that's even on the long end, to be honest with you, on this subject matter at hand. And they're just speaking out of their proverbial asses, like they always do. Except this one is just even more egregious because, again, somebody almost died. Um, and they do not; con- they didn't consult with an actual doctor on this subject matter. They do not have an actual doctor doctorate or inexperience within medicine or somebody that they can rely upon for this subject. I do. I have multiple sources that I can rely upon for this specific subject that we're going to talk about today. And they just either talk shit or essentially rambled incoherently for three minutes as I saw in Good Morning Football this morning. As I saw Ian Rappaport this morning as well give... Hold on.
2: A, they-
1: Give, what is it? This statement, I think, which was an absolute joke. It's like 30 seconds. Some of these clips are pretty long. They're like three, four minutes, and we're going to be breaking down some of them. But I think this is the start of the Ian Rappaport clip. I, I remember it was like, it was around this timestamp. Hold on.
2: Deemed It was due to his back and neck rather than to his head. That is one reason why Tua did not remain in the NFL's concussion protocol On Sunday, he was examined for a concussion by team doctors and by an independent neurologist. Sunday, Monday, again, his condition continued to be monitored. Ultimately, he was cleared to play last night, right up until the certainly unfortunate incident uh, that led to him being knocked out of the game and taken.
1: So Ian Rapoport says, well, you know,
2: Tua was cleared
1: by the medical staff, the independent neurologist, that it wasn't a concussion. And on Sunday, I thought immediately when I saw the injury, oh, two is done, he's out for the game, it's a concussion. The independent neurologist told everybody, including myself, and I believed it because I'm not a doctor. I'll never say that I'm a doctor because I'm not. But an independent neurologist, the team as well, said, oh, this is a back injury. And I said, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense, but it looked like a a concussion. He hit the back of his head. Really, really hard on the turf. It looked like a concussion. Fast forward four days later. He hits the back of his head very similarly. In fact, probably worse than how he hit the back of his head. On the turf against the Bills. The same way he hit he hit the turf against the Bills was the exact same way that he hit his head last night. Back of his head slammed down with a violent force. And... He got what is called Second Impact Syndrome. Also, and I'm reading an actual description from, uh, as I pull up the website, the National Library of Medicine, I think from the National Center of Biotechnology Information. Uh, This is a official website of the United States government because it has Uh, ncbi.nlm.nih.gov. This is a, I think, an article from Todd May, Lisa A., uh, Lisa Forrest, Chester J. Donnie, something, blah, 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 blah. Regardless, here it is. Uh, Second impact syndrome or repetitive head injury syndrome describes a condition in which individual experiences a second head injury before complete recovery from an initial head injury. So essentially what SIS or second impact syndrome is, is essentially a re-concussion or another concussion before the initial concussion has healed or the person has recovered from the initial concussion. And Tua's case, he got a concussion on Sunday. And again, I'll prove it with actual doctors and not, you know, my suspicion. Because again, I'm not a doctor, so I, I can't reasonably tell you if he had a concussion. But I actually have two credible sources. We'll get to that in a second. Tua had a concussion on Sunday. He got another one last night. He had second impact syndrome. And he almost... And he had uncontrollable movement of his fingers. I, like, people were making it out. Some people were like, he is potentially going to have life-ending and life-threatening, neurological, maybe not life-ending, but, like, like, like he will not be the same person coming out. Whether or
0: not he is or isn't, I don't know. I haven't seen or heard of Tua in 24 hours. I don't know. But what I do know is that Somebody is incompetent, okay?
1: Either the independent neurologist that evaluated to a on Sunday is a fucking moron and he cannot do what a school nurse who is not a neurologist can do, which is identify if a football player has a concussion. That independent neurologist cannot do what a school nurse can do or he is malicious, he is lying, or she. I don't know who, I don't know the gender. He is lying, or she, that Tua had, or has, had trauma, aka a concussion on Sunday, and he lied on Sunday,
0: and he cleared Tua on Sunday to play again, when he shouldn't have played, and then he gets cleared once again,
1: on Thursday, and Mike McDaniel is running with this bullshit, the head coach of the Dolphins, who I was very high on until last night. Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins organization and all of the respective chumps in the media are running with this horrific narrative that Tua Tagovailoa was not concussed on Sunday, which he, according to any doctor, any doctor, that saw that play any credible doctor. Let me change that because there's some incredible doctors, as we have seen over the last 24 to what is it, five days, 100 plus hours, as we've seen throughout the last couple of days, there are incredible doctors. Whoever, the, regardless of whatever the neurologist has deemed, and they'll probably deny, they'll deny, they'll deny, they'll deny. They'll say, Well, we didn't know, we didn't know, we didn't know. Okay, if you didn't know, strip him of his license, sue him for all he's worth for malpractice, because that's a joke
0: that you can't recognize a concussion as an independent neurologist and as a team doctor. It's a joke. And you know what pisses me off before I, like, just
1: unload? I mean, I'm starting to. I'm working myself up. Don't worry. Like, I'm I'm working. You know what pisses me off? Tua has been absolutely royally fucked by this organization for the last three years. Last year, it was, well, let's try and trade for Deshaun Watson in the middle of the season when we spent a high-ranking draft pick on Tua. The year before that, it was, well, let's go out and potentially get uh, Tom Brady from, or excuse me, in 2019, it was, well, we're going to get Tom Brady. We're going to try and get him. We're going to get Tom Brady when we're tanking for Tua going to get Tom Brady. We're going to try and make a trade for the New England Patriots by the New England Patriots. Of course, it didn't go down in 2019 because he was still a New England Patriot. They didn't get him in free agency. God knows how that happened. And they didn't get him this last season when he was retired. He, he has been royally screwed by the organization, by the owner, Stephen Ross, by the GM. Everybody in that organization has failed him. Everybody. For the last three years, it wasn't just this year, it was last year as well.
0: And they keep screwing him again. So I have two doctors that I'm going to bring on. This is Brian
1: Sutter, MD. He is a, let me Google him for you. Let me like give you his credentials so that way you're, I'm not uh I'm
0: not just giving you, you know, some snake oil here. Here we go. Boom. Bam.
1: Brian's, Dr. Brian Sutterer, he has a YouTube channel, which is why we're using him. Dr. Brian Sutterer, General Physical Medicine and Rehabilitation. He's at like a Mayo Clinic in Rochester, I think Minnesota. He has six to 10 years of experience. Overall, I'm going to read you his, his overview, right? So that way we can establish that he is an expert in his, in his respective field. He is an actual doctor. He is not somebody that I'm just bringing out to bring out. Dr. Brian Sutterer is, is a psychiatrist excuse me, in Rochester, Minnesota, and is affiliated with Mayo Clinic. or Mayo Clinic, I don't know how to say it. He received his medical degree from Indiana University School of Medicine and has been in practice between six to 10 years. Specialities, physical medicine, and rehabilitation. Psychiatrists are, phys- are physicians who specialize in helping patients with disabilities. Their focus is rehabilitation, restoration of function, and a return to a high quality of life. Patients may have muscle, bone, soft tissue, or nervous system injuries. Subspecialties include this is important sports
0: medicine. Specialists and pain management specialists. So specifically, as I understand it, Brian Sutter specifically
1: practices in sports medicine. He is very informed and well versed in player in ath- in excuse me in athlete athletes injuries and sports injuries. Not just concussions, but I've I've he he broke down Dak Prescott's injury among others. He's very very well informed on the topic at hand. Here is him not only discussing Tua's injury
3: on Sunday, but also Tua's injury last night. Here we go. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Dr. Brian Suter. If you're new here, Brian Suter, learning about sports medicine topics. Then please be sure and subscribe to stay up to date with my future videos what we witnessed tonight on the field with tua is extremely hard to watch it's something that is extremely serious and this is clear and obvious signs of head trauma of course clear
1: and obvious signs of head
3: trauma this video talking about what we saw happen last week with tua of course he fell hit his head there was this whole controversy about Back injury versus a concussion, but was cleared from a concussion and now was playing in a game just, I think, four days later. On this play, Tua falls backward and basically hits his head on the turf again, kind of similar to what we saw happen last week. It's a combination of whiplash, his head striking the turf. So, again, a clear mechanism for a brain injury, brain trauma. What we witness afterwards, then, with Tua having his hands sort of contorted in that awkward position, is what we call posturing right this is similar to the fencing response that we can see these abnormal posturings that occur in the setting of significant brain injuries or concussion. His fingers are rigid like that because of this continuous electrical signal being sent to those muscles as a result of that head trauma. We saw something like this with Donald Parham last year where he was having those shaking kind of tremors of his arms And so this is on that same scale of what we can see in the body and the limbs as a result of trauma to the brain. Whenever there's a concussion, all these signals just start to fire and discharge in the brain. And so you can get patterns of abnormal electrical activity that result in these posturing patterns, the fencing response, or just the arms and fingers locked in a certain position because of that increase in the muscle tone from the nerve signals. In this situation, right, we don't know if Tua is responsive at all. He could be completely unconscious. I frankly didn't see a moment when they were taking him off on the stretcher where it looked like he responded or was moving his legs. Obviously, we saw him taken off on the spine board, and remember in these situations, if an athlete is unconscious, we have to assume that there could be a neck injury, even though there was nothing about this play that looked overly traumatic to the cervical spine itself. We can see they've taken off the face mask because again in transport you don't want to have any risk if there is a cervical spine injury of the athlete stopping their breathing you need to make sure you can put a breathing tube in and so we see that they've also removed his face mask part of clearing somebody's neck or cervical spine is that they can answer questions reliably so if they're unconscious then you have to assume worst case scenario and put them on the spine board this is really hard for me to talk about and not get extremely frustrated and just emotional about the situation because of everything that happened last week. We know that when somebody is returning from a head injury, if they return too soon before they've recovered, they can have another head injury and be more susceptible to those symptoms, right? We've all heard about something called second impact syndrome, while extremely rare, can be extremely serious. I'm very glad that on the broadcast, they got somebody out there to say that that posturing with his hands was a clear sign of brain trauma because the public needs to hear that the public needs to be aware of this as i think most people are watching it i don't know what the response is going to be going forward with this whole investigation from last week obviously at the moment the biggest concern is just to his health and well-being i'm sure they're going to get him to the hospital and do scans to look and see if there's any bleeding inside the brain i will say bleeding wouldn't develop quickly enough to directly cause that posturing and so hopefully those scans will turn out to be normal but this is still very suggestive of a significant Brain trauma, a significant concussion. Along with those tests, right, they're going to have to clear his neck as he becomes more alert. They're going to have to make sure that there's no other injuries that he's sustained. And then, obviously, in this case, there can be no denying it. You're in the concussion protocol, right? We talk about those no go signs. This is clearly one of them. That posturing that we see is a clear outward sign that can help you and tell you that there's been brain trauma. Hopefully, things are okay. And this is another learning situation to make these protocols better because this is. Extremely scary to watch as a sports medicine doctor. It's extremely scary to watch as just a sports fan. And I, number one, hope things are okay. But then number two, hope that this is a time to make things better and to improve this whole situation and improve athlete safety. That's it for the video, everybody. Let me know, as always, any questions or comments down below. And until next time, we'll see you later.
1: Bye. So, Brian Souter breaking down to his injury from yesterday. He 1,000% had a concussion. And he even
0: implies a little bit that he was suffering from SIS. Again, second impact syndrome. But I want to make very, very clear that,
1: I, that he's not a neurologist. He's a sports medicine doctor. He practices in sports medicine and things of that nature. Because people will say, well, 24, uh, 24, uh, 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 he's not a neurologist. He's not a neuroscientist. His main practice isn't studying the brain, even though I would assume in sports medicine you would be able to, once again, tell what a concussion is. I would assume. I would assume. But apparently we can't even rely on neurologists, independent neurologists, to know what a concussion looks like and what it doesn't. So I've brought on somebody who actually is. His name is Christopher Nowinski. He was a former WWE wrestler. Cannot believe that is. This is a a real person. Because I was so interested when it happened. I was on Twitter. And I kept on seeing this doctor just constantly blasting Miami over and over and over again. And I was just like. Who is in? When I was like looking for references, I was like, "Who is this person? I have to find this person." So I made sure I, I googled him. He's, he, he's a he's a he was a WWE professional wrestler, but he, now he is an American neuroscientist, co-founder and CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation, and co-founder of the Boston University CTE Center, specifically CTE, which affects. People, specifically, like usually, people that usually suffer from concussions, consistent concussions. I'm pretty sure his resume is pretty stacked. Oh, and by the way, he graduated from Harvard with a Bachelor of Arts in Sociology.
0: And then he graduated with a PhD in Behavioral Neuroscience from Boston College. Yesterday,
1: and really over the last couple of days ever since Tua had his concussion on Sunday, he's been on an absolute tear. This is a tweet from September 25th. So this is on the day that Tua receives his concussion. He says, this is bad. Tua should not be cleared to return after this, after his head hit the ground and he stumbled after he got, got back
0: up, referencing the concussion that he suffered on Sunday. Uh, a little bit after,
1: Tua to a receives his concussion. Ian Rappaport tweets out, "My understanding of the two attack of situation: He tweaked his back in the first quarter on a sneak and didn't miss time. After the Matt Milano hit, his back locked up, leading him to wobble. By the way, again, this is such a weird theory, and like when you actually listen to it, it doesn't make any sense. Apparently." He hurt his back on the map on a Matt on a play on a quarterback sneak that happened in the first quarter. On the first quarter, like Tua hurt, got concussed in the second quarter. He got concussed, borderline going into the second half. So he apparently tweaked his back in the first quarter, and then it flared up on the Matt Milano hit that he just so conveniently hits his head on. Chris Nowinski calls bullshit on that, literally. Here's the quote. Here's the tweet. He quote tweeted in Rappaport, and then he responded with this. I'm calling bullshit on the back theory, on the back tweak theory. Watch the vid. Tua shakes his head multiple times to clear the cobwebs, which is a specific sign to vision impairment after concussion.
0: He also wobbles getting up before falling. His return is a fail at NFL. And then a couple of days pass. A couple of days later. He comments on the play once again. This is a disaster. Pray for
1: Tua and the actual play itself. This is a disaster. Pray for Tua. Fire the medical staffs, staffs and coaches. I predicted this and I hate that. I am right. Before the game, by the way, he predicted that Tua should not play because he has
0: a concussion and he could potentially aggravate the concussion again he continues to go on he go on he he excuse, yeah he can continue to go on two concussions in
1: 5 days can kill somebody this can end careers how are we so stupid in 2022 and he like retweets himself and things of that nature. He says if Tua takes the field tonight, it's a massive step back for concussion care in the NFL if he has if he has a second concussion that destroys his season or career, everyone involved will be sued and should lose their jobs, coaches included. We all saw it, even they must know this isn't right. And he tweeted that tweet out before the game and then he quote tweets that tweet And says, I take no pleasure in being right. Pray for Tua. We saw this coming. Get angry. Get involved with concussion
0: to make sure the NFL can't do this again. Again, Chris Nowinski,
1: PhD in behavioral neuroscience from
0: Boston University. Graduated from Harvard. Bachelor in sociology. He's like, oh no, this is, oh yeah, by the way, co-founder of,
1: and CEO, by the way, of concussion, of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and co-founder of the Boston University CTE Center. So a guy who knows a lot about concussions. So I gave you two doctors. I gave you a doctor that is a doctor on sports medicine. And then I gave you, a doctor who has a foundation about concussions and then also
0: founded the Boston University Center for CTE. And the fact of the matter is, I didn't even need to do that. I could have literally gone on my timeline last night,
1: found somebody who had some scrubs on and who said that they were a nurse or a doctor Maybe they, like Chris N- uh, Nowinski has a blue check mark, which is why I, you know, and he's pretty well known and reputable. So I quoted him, but you could have gone on Twitter last night and essentially looked up and down the timeline and been like, oh, all of these doctors are saying that Tua was concussed on Saturday, excuse me, on Sunday. And he was reconcussed on Thursday. And anyone who tells you different is a moron and is an idiot and doesn't know anything about sports medicine. But then I got,
0: you know what, before I play the Stooges, before I play the Donuts, the Morons, as I like to call them, I
1: actually want to play a very, very well-articulated take from Skip and Shannon, Undisputed, before we once again go into some of the worst takes and um, I rebut some of these. And the only reason why I'm doing this is because I think this is incredibly stupid what some of these people are saying but th- but this is actually a really good tape from Sh- uh, from skip and Chen. here we go
4: and what did they say after the game they said it had zero to do with his head they said it was all about his back locked up and he also had an ankle injury that's what they in reference
1: to once again the game on sunday not on thursday this is in reference to the miami dolphins uh game against the bills on sunday
4: that after the game and when we talked about it on monday you were thr- shrugging like well i guess we have to believe them because believe- an independent neurologist assigned to the game by the national football league had to
5: sign off on him playing the second half against the bills am i right they did but skip me i can beat the t- i'm
1: and shannon says something interesting and i'll let shannon continue but he says sh- something interesting and i'll comment on it here in a second All
5: right. How many fingers I got up? I'm fine. It's Sunday. We're playing the Buffalo Bills. My name is Tua. My mama name is this. Skip, you can beat that because it's not like a broken bone where I can look at x-ray and see it. Oh, you got a broken bone or you got a torn ACL. It's not definitive like that. So you've got to take you've got to be keen with what you see and you got to believe the player is telling you the truth yep. Skip, you know damn well players gonna lie because if i tell you i got a concussion you are not gonna let me go back in the game yeah but some
4: can't even they're not capable of lying because they, they're well, they're he wasn't
5: capable of lying I last know. night
4: uh no he was not capable of doing anything exactly last night. i was so when he and, and i want to continue this clip
1: what shannon is saying is that you can beat a concussion test which i've been concussed before while playing football, and this wasn't like organized football. This wasn't in pads. This was like you know just on a football field with some friends at like PE. I 1,000. I actually got a concussion very similarly to Tua. I hit the back of my head on the turf. I think my vision blacked out. I think, but I do remember after like my after I got tackled. Essentially, I was like running a curl route. I came back, caught it. I had a great route. It was a fantastic route. Caught it. Came back. Boom. I turned to catch the ball. The guy that was supposed to play, you know, the guy that was covering me essentially, uh, was playing off. And then when he saw that I was running a curl route, he came in, fucking destroyed me. He had like thirty, forty pounds on me. He was a big motherfucker. Maybe not twenty, thirty, forty. He may have had like ten to twenty. But I was a kid. I was, you I was shorter and smaller. I'm five foot seven. I was shorter and smaller than I am now. So it looked like he had twenty to thirty pounds on me. He may not have, but. I got absolutely destroyed, my head snapped back, very similarly to Tua's, and hit the turf, my back of the head, my back of my head, hit the turf, incredibly hard, I knew I was concussed, the teacher said what day it was, who I was, where I am, I could answer all of that, because to be honest with you, I'm not a neurosurgeon, but this is just from my own experience, or neuroscientist. But this is from my own experience. I feel like concussions are a little bit on a on a spectrum. It wasn't so severe where I was on the ground. I think it was perk I, I I don't know what the term that Brian Souter said, but i wasn't I wasn't into his stance or to his condition, where essentially I had to be carted off a football field, but I was concussed and I knew I was concussion, and I also was like. I know where I am. I know like the concussion protocol is ridiculous to me at least. If it's just like, where are you? How many questions? Da, da da da. You can beat that. And I beat it that day. And I knew I had a concussion and all I had to do was just perform. And perform being like I, I just had to get through that segment, that time with a with a football coach, because it was actually like a football coach who was on the field watching us play football. But I knew that all I had to do was just get through that point and I would And I would be okay. It wasn't like I was in trouble, but I wasn't trying to get the other
0: guy in trouble. You know, you don't want to, you know, like, like I I didn't want to get him in trouble. And so I get taken to the
1: nurse's office by one of my friends and I completely forget what happened that day. Like the rest of that day is a complete blank to me. Some days are, a lot of days are, to be honest with you, because I'm just older. But, I mean, I'm still in my 20s, but that day specifically... (laughs) Just, I don't remember anything else. I don't remember really anything before or after the concussion. I just remember the lead up to that, and I remember being concussed, and I was just like, oh, okay, like this is a, a concussion. So, in Shannon Sharp's case, or more specifically in Shannon Sharp's example, you 1000% can beat a
0: concussion protocol. You can beat the questions that they ask. Continuing forward, Frady wasn't capable of.
5: Of actually being able to walk because what did mcdaniel say? say when went out there he's like where what happened yeah. where, you know what's going on yeah. and, I, and i've had concussions like that well i don't remember anything skip i got knocked down the afc championship game and when i came through i went back in the game and played but i remember like what happened i remember looking up on the sideline in the fourth quarter like how did we get the lead we were losing okay right? what, what happened Who, i said what well, i said if we win this game what happened rod well i said we're going to the super bowl fool i was like oh and i started celebrating I got, I'm talking about Skip. I was literally out. Okay. Tua was worse than that. All right, I got you. So, that's Shannon's own
1: experience with concussions. A little bit of my own experience inserted a little bit as well. But my point is, is that you can still play with a concussion. Now, again, I don't want to, I don't want to like be like, I'm a, I'm a doctor. I know what I'm talking about. When I when I watch Dak Prescott in 2018, this is like four years ago. He's playing up against the Washington football team. It's like week seven. He's rolling left, and he it's like third and ten, first quarter, bottom bottom of the first quarter. There's like a minute fifty something seconds left. Rolling left, he's trying to scramble for the first quarter. He like dives for the pylon for the first down marker. And a Washington commander, either safety or linebacker, comes in, freaking destroys him, hits him in his head. It looks like he has head trauma. And again, I'm going off of it. I'm referencing everything that we just listened to from Brian Souter and also from Chris uh, Nowinski. Like, I'm just essentially extrapolating some of this and some injuries are different from others and things of that nature. It looked like Dak Prescott was concussed. Somehow, some way. He was able to get back into the game. He wasn't even in concussion protocol. I have no idea how Dak Prescott passed a concussion test. I have no idea. But somehow, way, he passes. He goes back into the game. He plays football. Dallas loses. But he was never the same after that. And he was a little bit unaware of where he was. Because I, I remember, like, he had a safety in the end zone. It was very uncharacteristic how, like,
0: unaware Dak Prescott was in that game. Could he have had a, uh, a concussion? Possibly. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But it sure as hell looked like it. I'm speculating, obviously. But my point in referencing the Dak Prescott hit against Washington
1: four years ago, almost really to the day, it's like three in three weeks, of course, because it was week seven four years ago. Reason why I reference that, quite simply put, because there's precedent for a player being able to have something that looks like a concussion happen to him and then being able
0: to walk back out onto the football field. That's what I'm trying to get at. Is that there is there is a precedent for it. And so we have facts, we have information,
1: we have Opinions from medical, from medical, um, from medically informed doctors. One, Brian Suter, who is a sports doctor, sports med, who practices sports medicine, and then the other one, Chris Nowinski, co-founder of Concussion Legacy Foundation, and CEO, and also the co-founder of Boston University CTE, and has a PhD from Boston University
0: in neuroscience. Two legitimate sources. I did my homework this morning because I was impassioned to speak on this. Let's hear what
1: people who didn't do their homework do, or excuse me, said this morning and even this evening, and then let's kind of break it down and uh, call them morons and idiots because they didn't Google this. Not even Google this, but just didn't fucking do any, any basic research. All you had, I I gotta, I gotta, I gotta complain about this. All you had to do, all I did was look up my Twitter timeline, look up who Chris Nowinski is, look at his tweets, and be like, oh, he's legit. Then, I just because Brian, Brian Suter, I, I know him because he's analyzed injury. He like, he, this is what he does on YouTube. He talks about injuries and things of that nature. So I know who he is already. All you had to do was just look these, mother. all you had to do was just go on YouTube and Twitter. That's literally all I did. And just Google what SIS is because everybody was tweeting it last night. These motherfuckers can't Google and these, not even, it's not even just about Googling. It's like, you can't even do the bare minimum. But let's listen into what a former football player, we'll, we'll listen to the Good Morning Football panel, go off about this, and then we'll transition into what Joy Taylor had to say,
0: which was an absolute disaster. As I am like trying to play a Twitter video, here we go. For me,
4: you look at it off the field. And I think for us as players, while you're out there, you do everything in your power to play in the game. I've done things through injuries, try to go out there, and you sometimes need somebody to save you from yourself. When I'm watching the play last That's week,
1: I- called the doctor. That's called the independent neuroscientist or neuro expert or whatever it all, whoever that was there that was independent and a neuro expert, whatever it was called, that is their job. That is not the player's job, okay? That is not the team's, the teammate's job. That's not even really the coach's job to be like, we're pulling you out of the game for your health and safety. That is the doctor's job, the player will not protect themselves, and I have heard this time and time and time and time and time again over the last 24 hours. People are like, why didn't Tua protect himself? And the simplicity of the fact is because he wants to play. It, like, like whenever you, you, you see a boxing or a, a boxing fight or a combat sports, you always hear the umpire, the referee say, protect yourself at all times, touch him up before they fight which is ridiculous because they're not going to protect themselves. What they're going to try and do is they're going to try and fucking win the fight. That's what they're going to do. They're not going to protect themselves. They will win by any means necessary because if they were to protect themselves, all they would do is just cover up. That's what they would do. They will not protect themselves at, at all times. They will try to beat their opponent. They will try to win the fight. In some cases,
0: in, in all cases, hopefully, Within the rules that are being allotted to them. Of course, depending on the combat sport. It's not to his teammates' job to protect
1: him. It's not even his job to protect him. It is up to the doctor who is assigned to the team to protect him, which team doctors do not have the best intre- interests of the players involved. All they care about is can they send you out? For another snap.
0: It's what happened with Kevin Durant in Golden State. It's what happened with Tua yesterday and on Sunday.
1: It's not his teammate's job. It's not his job. His job, the teammate's job, win games. Doctor's job, protect the players. Treat the players. Protect them from themselves. It's why I'm like, every single doctor involved should have their license revoked and should be almost... Like in jail, like jail, because you could have killed somebody last night. I have to constantly reference. I hate that it's just being like, like this is a five minute segment where four people talk. But I hate that because it's just like they're like they're pretty much every single one of them is speaking for a minute and like 15 seconds. A little bit over that. And I'm like, you morons. This is a more nuanced conversation than a minute and 14 seconds can provide. I've been speaking for the last 43 minutes on the subject matter, and I'm still not done.
4: I remember saying to you guys, I was, I don't think Tua's going back in. I remember talking to my wife after the game, and there's no way in hell, like she would have allowed me to go back into that game or go back out to practice for a while. And I think, that's the people that truly care about you and not to say anybody else does but these people are going to be with you whether you're playing football or you're not and i think we sometimes forget the human side of it you talked about how teddy said hey personally he had a lot going on when you watch your brother one of your teammates taking off the field in a stretcher that whole moment where the entire dolphins team an organization is on the field. Not only for them, but for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mike mcdaniel alluded to it. We don't sign up for this, but we know it can happen to anybody. It's out there. And I think that was the toughest thing for me to take away. They showed Tua in pregame, hug and kiss yeah. his mom and dad. They're at that game. They're watching. Mm. Tua has a spouse at home who's watching that game. So to see him that way, as a former player, we have to advocate for ourselves, even if it's a teammate saying, hey, the way that
1: looked last week... Last week. Hey, uh-huh. nuts. That's not your fucking job as a player. Your job is to protect... Is Not protect yourself. Is to play football. And Shannon Sharp... I love Shannon. Shannon Sharp is fucking real about this. He's not... I don't know what the fuck Devin McCourty has... Or Jason McCourty. Whichever one he is. I don't know what the fuck he's been saying for the past... Minute and 18 seconds. It's wrong. Shannon said it best. He's like... I'm not going to protect myself. I'm going out there to fucking play football. I'm not going to let my teammates down. And they are relying on me. They are counting on me to perform. I'm not taking myself out of this football game. Let me turn on the AC. It's like I'm getting hot and sweaty in here. Hold on. Like I'm getting, I'm like, I'm sitting crisscross applesauce in my desk. And it's like, sweat is starting to freaking
0: form like, in between my, my knees. It's ridiculous. Hold on. Sorry about that. But it's not to his job to protect himself. And neither it's his, is it
1: his teammate's job either. But let's listen to uh, Kyle Brandt, absolute just degenerate. Let's see what he has to say. Because Devin's going to transition from himself to Kyle Brandt.
4: Like, you maybe shouldn't be out here a few days later. Yeah. And I know there's a whole medical side of it, the evaluation and all of that that goes on. I'm not going to pretend like, hey, I can diagnose him. He- then get
1: somebody who can, like I just did. How hard is it to call the Patriots team doctor or a doctor or a neuroscientist or somebody and be like, hey, what's your opinion on this? You're just like, I'm not a doctor. I just found two doctors in the last 24 hours that can testify that he had trauma on Thursday and potentially trauma on Sunday.
4: was this, he was yeah, that. Sure. But it's scary to see it happen on Sunday. Yeah. And then four days later, he's taken off in a stretcher and his head obviously hits the ground in a similar fashion. I just feel for his loved ones that had to watch that, not only just his teammates out there on the field. Yeah. It was really well put. That was.
2: I, there are a lot of... Litigators on Twitter this morning yes. not lawyers or, or attorneys there are a lot of doctors yeah. on Twitter this morning It's very easy from your couch to just like analyze this in hindsight
1: Yes, it's very easy to analyze a player having a concussion in the last two concussions Excuse me in the last five days or technically six days now. No, it's five days. Yes. No, it's six days It's almost Saturday last five days. Yes, it's very easy to evaluate do you want to know why because they're fucking doctors It's very easy for them to do it from the couch because they're fucking doctors very easy for a lawyer to be able to say, well, you can sue them for all, of your, for all of their money because they're lawyers. Peter Schrager, with his condescending attitude, his absolute moronic stupidity, and his supreme level of ignorance, wants to go on a nationally syndicated and, tele- and televised broadcast and say that you shouldn't actually listen to lawyers and doctors on Twitter. Because he has he has a great suggestion. He has a great insight. Let's let's listen in. Let's see what let's see what the mastermind, the absolute omnipresent, omni-intelligent Peter Schrager has to offer. The two attack of Ilo and the medical community that has commented about this over the last 24 hours. Let's listen in. Um,
2: I will say this in baseball: when a pitcher is throwing 110 pitches, a manager often has to pull him off the field yeah. and say, "Hey, it's enough." In basketball, often there's load management. The, the coach will say to the player, you're not going to go four games in five nights. We're going to What? This is a different sport. And there's only 17 what? games. Always and seven. these players, they want to play. To your point, there needs to be an advocate for Tua because if we've learned anything from I love player, how they're like,
1: this, there needs to be an advocate for Tua. And it's like, num nuts, that's a fucking doctor. Are you this dumb? Are you this incompetent? Are you this unintelligent? Are you this unresearched, uneducated? What school did you go to? I don't believe you have a degree. I don't believe you tried, educationally. There should be an advocate in the... It's the doctor!
2: ...wants to go. He's been through enough injuries where if he's given the okay to play, he's going to play. Uh, I think anybody who's watching this objectively from a 10,000-foot lens now would say... After that injury on Sunday, was it wise for him to go out there and play Mm -hmm. four days later? Mm -hmm. Probably not. And is it good for anyone to have those two injuries in in a five-day span? Absolutely not. The question is, how do we use this information from last night and from Sunday and move it forward? And how do we advance these talks? And how do we do it so that the next morning we're not all lawyers? And then, hey, by the afternoon today, everyone— Shut the
1: fuck up, you little rat. Shut the fuck up. He's just like, uh, 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 how do we not wake up in the next morning and aren't doctors and aren't lawyers? And it's just like, there are actual doctors and lawyers and nurses that are commenting on this. Every single one of them last night was like, this is SIS. He was concussed on Sunday. He was concussed yesterday. He has multiple life-threatening injuries and fucking numb nuts wants to go on national television and say, well, uh, uh, uh doctors and lawyers, uh, how do we not be doctors and lawyers? How do we progress the conversation? Fuck your progress.
0: There was supposed to be a doctor already, two doctors. They were supposed to be his advocates. They were supposed to
1: protect the player even from himself. Not the manager of a baseball team. Not the
0: basketball coach on the sidelines. The fucking doctors. What a fucking joke, Peter Schrager. He's always been a joke.
1: He's always been an embarrassment to football, to any media broadcast, media journalism, anybody out there. I don't take him seriously at all. Nobody should. He's an absolute embarrassment to himself and to anyone who associates himself, th- themselves, with him. He's an embarrassment. He's a joke. He's mediocre. On his best days and at his worst, he is ungodly stupid. Just like today.
2: Everyone else is tweeting about what's going on, uh, you know, on some funny meme instead. Mm, yeah. Let's use this moment in time to advance this because I think the league has got great intentions. I really do. When you see those guardian caps in training mm-hmm. camp, when you see all the head and, and, and trauma safety that we have gotten and we've advanced, I think the intentions are all right from everybody. But in the heat of the moment, even Mike McDaniel, who I love saying, fortunately, it was only a concussion. We don't know what that means. Mm-hmm. We don't know what that means. What fortunately, do you mean? Mike- we
1: don't know what that means. Like, I love how he's just like, we don't know what any of this stuff means. And it's just like, yes, we do. We have doctors. That- I hate to be like, we have doctors. We have doctors. We have doctors. We have doctors telling us what this means it means that he almost fucking died last night that's what that fucking means it's not so, again this is a five minute video and I'm pausing it and, and making it artificially longer but this is a very very small unnuanced conversation that they have with one another Jason or Devin McCordy, again whichever one he was spoke for like over a minute on the subject and that was it again I've spoken for almost an hour on this And some people are like, some people are like, well, you can't talk about an hour. You can't talk about an hour. And it's just like, the fuck I can't. I will and I can. It's my damn podcast. It's 24th podcast. Bitch. Concussion.
2: Concussion can last all season long. True. A concussion can can last all season long.
1: Let's find out if a concussion can last all season long instead of just talking out of his ass, because I don't know. I could be wrong. Let's let's find out how
0: I'm googling, I'm I'm googling this. How long does a concussion last? Each
1: concussion in each person is somewhat unique and so is their recovery timetable. And by the way, I'm get, I'm get, I'm getting this from clevelandclinic.org. I just like googled this. What is this? This is Cleveland Clinic. I Regardless, a concussion is a mild traumatic brain injury caused by a bump, violent jolt, or blow to your head. Anyone from infants to the elderly can get a concussion. Headache is the most common symptom. Most symptoms resolve themselves within 14 to 21 days. Although recovery plans are unique to each person, all involve mental and physical rest and a gradual return to activity. So that's from Cleveland.
0: The Mayo Clinic... Healthline, I'm trying to see, like, I'm trying to get multiple different sources to tell me, like, when does a concussion last here? On average, expect to take at least two to four weeks off from
1: from strenuous activities, including sports while you recover. So, essentially, it's like two to four weeks.
0: That's Healthline and ClevelandClinic.com. They're both like, oh, it's two to four weeks, not an entire season. So again, uh, maybe
1: if you aren't a doctor or if you don't have a source, maybe fucking don't say anything. Shut your fucking mouth, Peter Schrager. Stick to being a below-average journalist. Excuse me, a mediocre journalist who is about as interesting as a fucking wet piece of paper and as unfucking believable. As a fucking unicorn riding a Pegasus who vomits rainbows, why don't you just be unfucking believable? Or I mean, goodness, not even unfucking believable. Just be as about as boring as watching white paint dry in a library. Just go, just go back to being stupid, mediocre and coming up with your shitty content on your own, besides commenting on a, on so, on a player potentially dying, you know? Because you obviously don't have the time, you don't have the effort. You don't have the will or want to, or even just integrity to figure out if what you're saying is actually correct. You know, instead of being like, everybody on Twitter is at fault, maybe fucking look at yourself in the mirror instead of being a fucking moron. How about that, Peter Straker? We'll Check see what happens fuck with up. the
2: Dolphins, but I hate to look at Tua Tungavailoa as this like patient zero in what mm-hmm. will be this long-term case, but two games in a five-day span... Mm-hmm. There needs to be some advocates for two yeah. out there, and if it's yeah. not, might yeah. yeah. have to be coming from a teammate, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's a lot of litigators and doctors out there. There's also just a lot of people just really upset. You know, yeah. I, four of us are upset. It's an upsetting thing. It, not you know what? I, I can't listen to any more of this horseshit. They're all fucking stupid. They're all unintelligent. They're all uninformed. They're all incompetent at their jobs. They can't even fucking Google one motherfucking thing to figure out. If what they're saying actually has any credence or credibility or anything of that nature. So I'm, I, I was about to play more of it. I will not play more of it. Because they're all jokes. So I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. I've murdered them. There's no need to dig up their corpses and keep on kicking them. You know?
0: It's a kick ahead, a dead horse reference, but you know. Joy Taylor... Is
1: the brother of, I don't, I, not brother, sister of, I don't know, I don't, I don't know who. It's, he was a, John Taylor, something like that. She has a brother who, who's like a Hall of Fame defensive lineman from the Miami Dolphins, ironically enough, who played football. She's going to comment on it, and I stopped it halfway through because I was like, I cannot listen to this shit anymore. I have to fucking pause it. I will wait to comment on it. This is like after I heard the good morning clip, and I will wait to address it on the podcast. Here I am addressing it on the podcast. Let's listen in.
6: So I'm glad you brought up Monday because we did talk about it on Monday, but we didn't talk about it yesterday. None of us did. I didn't hear any other shows talking about it, and if you did, I'm sorry. There was a small handful of people that were bringing up what happened on Sunday, but we had all collectively moved on. We covered this game yesterday and did not mention what happened on Sunday one time. So the outrage is a bit confusing for me. We all feel for Tua, of course. I have nephews that play college football. My brother played for 15 years. I've felt that fear when he would go down or teammates of his would go down. We all feel that, but we were okay with it yesterday. Going into the game, we were. Yeah. We did not mention it on this show.
1: We were okay. Like, I don't understand the fucking point that she's making. We were okay with it because a doctor told us that it was okay. The doctor is either incompetent or he is lying. The reason why we were okay with it was, excuse me, not a doctor, two doctors. One that was an independent neuroscientist, whatever they, he, he is or she, whatever their designation is, they were independent. They studied neurology. And then the team doctor said he was okay as well. That was the only reason why we were okay with it. If they told us that he had had a concussion, then obviously it wouldn't have been okay because that is what's been repeatedly talked about on the internet for the last couple of days. That he had a concussion. People from the medical community said that he had a concussion and that he shouldn't have played. So
6: So complicit doesn't start with the doctors. It doesn't start With the organization. Don't you even
1: dare put this on everybody that was watching. Don't put
6: this on me. Don't even put this on
1: yourself. This is on the Dolphins fucking fucking team doctor. And this is on the fucking independent whatever the fuck he is. Because they were the experts. They were his advocates. They were the doctors. They should have told the Dolphins he is concussed. He cannot play. He is going into concussion protocol on Sunday. And he is not playing another snap in the Dolphins game. The only reason why that people were okay with it was because doctors told us that he was okay. But even some of them didn't, like Chris Nowinski, who was like, I'm calling BS on the the back theory.
6: ...approach, or Mike McDaniel, or the rest of the coaches, or the teammates, or the fans. It's also with the media. You mentioned it. We talked about this game like Tua should have been on that field. And if Tua hadn't gotten hurt yesterday, we would be covering this game as if Tua should have been on that field, whether he won or whether he lost We would be talking about the Bengals maybe being on the come come up and and getting back to what they were last year. What is she talking about? Or the Dolphins being way more dominant than we thought they were going into the season and what this means for Tua's legacy. We would not be starting the show talking about whether or not Tua should have been on the field. So this is a cultural and institutional failure, what's happening with Tua. They have made major strides to help players protect themselves, to have doctors in place, to have an independent doctor in place but everyone, including myself, is guilty in this. All of our hands are dirty. We are not exempt from- What is she talking about?
0: What? Oh my God. I appreciate her saying that it was a cultural and institutional failure, which it was. She's not a doctor. I'm not a doctor.
1: Like, it's, it's as simple as this. The argument and in the, in the whole aspect of Tua is boiled down to this. Tua Tagovailoa was concussed more likely than not on Sunday. He was concussed more likely than not last night. He should not have even been on the football field because he reaggravated his concussion that he had suffered or had trauma, whatever you want to call it, that he had suffered on Sunday. He re-aggravated that by literally hitting the exact same spot, spot excuse me, in which he was concussed
0: last night. Okay? I cannot diagnose medically that Tua had a concussion.
1: But a lot of other people who actually can, who have degrees,
0: who have PhDs, who have masters, who have residencies, they can. And they did. And so I follow
1: their expertise and not the liars who lied on Sunday.
6: ...from this because we feel if you want real change, outrage isn't enough. There has to be accountability with everyone, including ourselves. What do we play in this role in getting what? Tua back out there? Because we weren't talking about it yesterday. We were not talking about this leading up to the game. If he hadn't got hurt, we wouldn't be talking about it today. So this means what? that protocols have to change. It means there has to be more done. There has to be uh, less. There doesn't put have in- to
1: be more done. Like, everybody's like, concussion protocols have to change, da-da-da-da-da. It's just like, get a doctor. Like, no. Like, strip the doctor. Both doctors of their medical licenses, fire both of them, find people that will not lie. And you know what? I'll say it. The Dolphins need to have, like, the, the, the NFL, and I haven't said this enough, so I apologize for this. The NFL is capable and able of getting the results they want. Back in the early 2000s, they were like, concussions do not cause CTE until... Whoever Will Smith played in concussion literally came out and said, oh no, uh, football players are, are getting concussed and that leads to CT. They buried that. They buried the Ray Rice incident. Incident isn't even a great way to describe it. Uh, they buried the Ray Rice getting into a fight with his wife and literally punching her in the face and then dragging her unconscious body out of an elevator. They buried that. They lied. They denied. The NFL always de- lies and denies. They always do that.
0: They lied and denied that case. And that, I don't even want to refer to it as an incident,
1: but domestic battery, I guess. They lied and denied that. They lied about Tom Brady and the deflate gate situation. Where they were like, oh, Tom Brady deflated the footballs. Troy Vincent, the like assistant to the commissioner I mean we have an article on him essentially lying that Tom Brady uh, did deflate the footballs he did not I know that deflating footballs isn't as important as domestic battery but I'm essentially establishing that the NFL lies about a lot of different things the Washington football team is a is an is another example the Roger not the Roger the uh, the John Gruden uh, racial slurs and the gay slurs uh, over the 100,000 emails or whatever that the NFL was was um was investigating or whatever, like they get whatever they want. It's kind of it's like a, it's it's hard to like check yourself when you are the person that is like it's hard to like have integrity when you do something wrong when you're supposed to be the one that's supposed to like investigate yourself and then also punish yourself. it's like it's kind of oxymoronic to think that the NFL can, like, self-govern themselves and be like, we're going to punish ourselves for something that we did. Like, they're not going to do that. I've seen kangaroo courts. I've seen, like, like fake trials. The NFL is an expert at just throwing these, like, these mock fake trials that really we already know the outcome already. We know. We know what, what will happen. I mean, the NFL for the Deshaun Watson situation, right? The NFL was going into that situation, being like, "We want him suspended for a, a year." The independent judge had came in and had been like, "Oh, um, he's not getting a year; he's getting six games." And I had probably known that he wasn't gonna get a, a full year because uh, the judge really was like, "I'm gonna try and do this in like a week," or that's what the NFL wanted. And then it took like four weeks, almost a month. And then she came out with six games. And then the NFL appealed that and got 12 games. Or six, or tw- I think it was 12 games. The NFL gets what they want. And then he got like a financial
0: fine or whatever. The NFL gets what they want. It's a kangaroo court. It's on nobody but the doctors, Joy Taylor. It's ridiculous to even
1: imply that let alone brazenly say it because none of us are fucking doctors and the doctors failed him
6: hands of doctors who perform miracles all over the world every day but are still humans and can make mistakes now i'm with shady i'm not in a position to accuse mike mcdaniel of lying or the doctors of lying or i some am mass-
1: i'm somebody's lying or they're incompetent but i don't believe a doctor a neuro expert is so incompetent that they can misdiagnose a concussion and think that it is a lower to mid in level, uh, a mid-body extremity, meaning that it's like he suffered a back injury or a leg injury. I don't believe that there is a doctor on the planet
0: that is that incompetent. Actually, there probably is. But I don't think he resides in the United States.
6: Conspiracy, which everyone always wants to jump to as soon as something terrible happens, it could be as simple as to a pass the exam that's in place. When you have a concussion, you don't automatically
1: pass the. What?
0: How the fuck is he passing the exam? He couldn't fucking stand up on Sunday. He literally couldn't fucking stand up. What the fuck is she saying? How's that passing? How did he pass? That doesn't make any sense. He literally had
1: to be held up by his two offensive linemen because he didn't have his legs underneath him. Again, any again, if you do any research, a doctor will tell you it was a concussion. I hate to repeat myself, but I'll just I'll let this through. I'll let it because we're spending way too much they time. He
6: turned to a zombie. People have concussions and don't even know they have concussions. You can talk, you can play football, you can do all kinds of things just because you had a concussion. So it is not unrealistic to pass a concussion test even if you've been hit even if we've seen you been hit andrew whitworth said on the show on the post show yesterday to give
1: her a little bit of credit shannon said it but i'm like you're a doctor you should be able to know physically like to a standing up or not being able to stand up but regardless regardless
6: he had this exact thing same thing happen i'm sure you guys have all seen it someone had a concussion they got cleared went through the protocols Mm -hmm. And we're back out on the field and got pulled because a coach saw it in his case. A teammate saw it and said, hey, you don't need to be out there. Tell the coach, take him out. But there's protocols in place. If the protocols need to be increased, then that's what we need to do. And I think that's what we learned. But let's not all sit around here and act like we don't create the culture that encourages these guys to get back out there and put themselves in this this danger.
0: I 1,000% agree with the final statement. But I don't agree that people are like, well, like, I don't agree with the whole, with the whole, like, everybody knew that he was concussed. And it's just like, well, I didn't because I trusted the doctor. And it turns out the doctor was lying. So that's the whole situation with Tua. Tua
1: and a lot of different perspectives on it. A lot of them were bad. Very, very few were good. And only, essentially,
0: I, and some others, are right on this. And most are wrong. I know that's a little bit arrogant, narcissistic, but uh,
1: take a look. There's not a lot of people that actually you know what they're fucking talking about when it comes to Tua and his concussion concussions i had a a mike mcdaniels clip <sighs> this and this is the final thing we'll play and then we'll peace out or not peace out we'll stop the co- we'll not stop the conversation excuse me um we'll stop talking about Tua and his it we'll we'll, we'll go into a game day picks we we'll are go on again. It's not like it's hard to transition from this. But here's Mike McDaniel and the whole What I what it like this is a this is after the game, Mike McDaniel will give me will give me um what is it? I, I forgot the question that um that he was asked, but it's essentially about two is actually I don't even know because there wasn't a microphone to the journalist, so I don't even know what the question was asked. But this is after the game. Mike McDaniel has probably posed a question about the Sunday, uh, the Sunday injury, the Sunday concussion, and the Thursday night concussion and things of that nature. Um, we'll play this. We'll listen in, and then we'll talk about game day picks, and then we'll leave until Sunday. Now, a quick little note. Everybody has been saying how impassioned Mike McDaniel has been and how he was borderline crying at his press conferences. I've seen both of his press conferences. I saw none of that. I didn't see him fired up. I didn't see him angry over the accusations. I didn't see him borderline tearing up and crying. I didn't see any of that. Didn't see any of it. And Pat McAfee was on his show today. And he was just like, be very careful with how you, you know, do these things and da-da-da-da-da. And, and some people were like, you know, like, how can, how can a coach and, you know, a team get away with this and stuff like that? I, like, it's a really, really serious accusation, and I get it. But I think that it's more likely than not that the Dolphins were able to find a way to get past the concussion protocol than it is for a doctor to misdiagnose a concussion. They have to be like the worst doctor on the planet. And I don't think that that doctor, whoever he or she was, is the worst doctor on the planet. Because if they are, then they are super fucking liable. They should be stripped of everything and they should never practice medicine ever again. And they should borderline be in prison, to be honest with you.
0: Excuse me, not borderline. They should be in prison. Here's Mike McDaniel can't hear the
1: question though, but here he is a little bit after
4: Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that his an injury from last week um, uh, made hit, made him fall the same way this week, you know um, again,
1: he's still again, remember what I said earlier. Deny, 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 and lie. He is still sticking with the whole to a hurt his back bullshit. He's still sticking with it. It is not true. Not true. But he's still sticking with it, and here we are.
4: But yeah, I, I, I do not have any, like, absolutely zero patience for or will ever um, listen to that passion. A, put a, a player in a position to. Um, for them to be in harm's way.
1: He sounds like me when I've just taken my melatonin gummies and I'm about to go to sleep. And I'm like drowsy and I'm like half asleep. He sounds like me when I'm falling asleep.
4: It's like not um, what I'm about at all and no outcome of a game would ever influence me being irresponsible as the head coach of the football team.
1: Impassioned words from Mike McDaniel. I could be wrong and I and I will apologize afterwards, but honestly there is not a lot that the uh, oh boy, that the um that the Miami Dolphins can do or say to convince me otherwise outside of like sh- like outside of like essentially showing me yes, like with refutable without excuse me with irrefutable evidence that yes this person that we have hired to do this independent study is like not being affiliated with us
0: at all and this person these people have found that yes Tua had a back injury
1: unless you can do that which they probably cannot do I believe Tua was concussed, and I believe that he played with a concussion or with some of the effects
0: of a concussion yesterday. Is that it? Is that the final thing? Yes, that's it. Sorry that that took um,
1: an hour. I just feel a little bit more impassioned about a player literally dying On my watch, while I am watching him play football, I feel a little bit more impassioned than uh, guys and gals like Peter Schrager, you know? People that are just like, oh, let's just talk about this for a couple of minutes and blame actual doctors and physicians on Twitter for uh, the NFL's own fuck up, you
0: know? Because I'm Peter Schrager and I'm an NFL employee. (laughs) I'm an NFL employee. Anyways. um, Game day picks. I know it's a hard transition. I know it's hard to
1: go from talking about something serious like Tua to trying to like go to talking about game day picks and things of that nature. But I feel like it's important to talk about Tua and things of that nature. And I, I just I missed the mark. I missed it. And again, it wasn't like entirely my fault. It wasn't entirely the media's fault. But I do, I do want to say, not even say, but I do want to like try and move on and uh, and talk about football here. I'm like, or I could end the podcast and talk about this tomorrow. No, I feel good. I feel good.
0: Do you feel good? Are you ready for game day picks? I'm like, I just want to finish this. I'm like, I am debating right now on...
1: No, 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 no we'll, we'll finish the podcast. I'm like, I'm debating on like whether or not I should spice it. No, I want to I put both of them in. So, this Sunday, as we kind of like reset and talk about not just everything surrounding football, but the actual football games. As we talk about football, and as we reset and we do, we do go back to talking about football. Last week, if you can remember, or if you can uh, recollect, I said on Friday, about a week ago, I said week three is important. It's when teams will start to emerge. It's when teams will start to really start showcasing off who they are as a football team. It won't be complete. It won't be full. It won't be whole. But it's a start. I said that on Friday, and I meant it. And I think we did see some teams really have some resurgence and really start to show us who they were for both good and bad reasons. The 49ers and the Broncos showed us that they're incompetent. It's interesting that we talked about the Dolphins and Mike McDaniel a little bit. We talked about the Dolphins a lot in Tua, but we finished off by talking about Mike McDaniel. There was this story that came out today. I think it was from Joe Staley that was like, yeah, there's a little bit of an adjustment with the 49ers and Uh, Kyle Shanahan without Mike McDaniel and it's just like oh like apparently Mike McDaniel did significantly more for the 49ers and for Kyle Shanahan than I initially thought because the 49ers are dreadful on offense and when I was watching the Dolphins game again before Tua was hurt I was like oh there's some pretty creative stuff and creative plays uh, that they have embedded in their offense and I've thought that way about the Dolphins for really the last couple of weeks it was more prominent when I was able to catch it on primetime, even though it was on the dreaded Amazon Prime. I was like, the 49ers, they showcased off. I don't think they're a deep playoff contender. Broncos are a disaster. But we'll talk
0: about those teams here in a couple of minutes. Let me unplug my computer first. Hold on. Vikings at Saints, 9.30 Eastern game,
1: let me look up Formula 1, by the way, I mean, you know, talking about something positive, something a little bit happy, hold on, Formula 1 is back on this weekend, Formula 1 racing, Mercedes Benz. Contending and competing with Ferrari, potentially maybe like maybe Mercedes will actually fucking win a race all season long. It's been like six months. I'm, I'm very excited. Seven almost seven months. I'm very excited to see Mercedes potentially win a race. But um, the Singapore Grand Prix is on at seven fifty four. I think the game is on at 9 30 So the game will be over with at like ten o'clock. So I may miss like the first thirty minutes of the game. I don't really care. I'm going to be so excited watching um, the Singapore Grand Prix on Sunday. Ooh, la la! ESPN Plus. I remember I was watching, um, I was trying to watch Formula One um, practice. I was watching FP2. And it was on College University. And I was watching this obnoxious, uh, this obnoxious like, Documentary about a basketball player that was hated, a Duke basketball player. And I was just like, which one? It was some guy in the 90s that I don't know about or care about. I hate college basketball. I don't care about it. I, I barely care about college football. But I'm very excited to watch Singapore Grow Free, the qualifying for it tomorrow. And then mm, 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 the Singapore Grow Free on Sunday. ooh, ooh la la. Very excited. Ah, goodness gracious, I'm I'm so excited. Mm -mm -mm. Anyways, uh, my weekends are back. By the way, Formula One took a huge, 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 huge break. They took like two weeks off, I think. I think they took um, a week off initially, and then because of the Russian Grand Prix being canceled, rom being canceled, uh, it essentially turned into like two weeks because I think the first weekend that I watched Formula 1 was like two weeks ago almost. And so I just, I, like I haven't watched Formula 1 in almost a month, to be honest with you. Like been three weeks now that I've seen my last race. It's like three weeks. Yeah, I guess it's been three weeks, not two weeks. But very excited to watch some Formula 1. I think we're green for go for the rest of the season. No more, no moss, no less. No more, uh, like, unexpected breaks. No more long, like, tenured breaks. We're just full goal, final stretch of the season. I'm very excited. Cannot wait. Super excited. Oh, man. Sunday and Saturday. Oh, God, I'm so excited. All day football, baby. All fucking day. Let's get to game one. Game one. Opening day, London, London, out there with the boys and the gals from the UK and really from the entirety of the Europe uh, of Europe because Europe always has like big turnouts and things of that nature for football because there is a lot of of football fans out in Europe but they watch it at weird times or they don't watch it at all because of how late the games go on. They like go on until like six o'clock in the morning or one o'clock in the morning. Excuse me. Ridiculous how, like, far off the games are for them. Relative to us. So the NFL's like, we'll throw you a bone. We'll have a game in the UK. Essentially almost every single week for, what, like, a month or two? And it'll start off with the Vikings and the Saints. I'm taking the Vikings in
0: this game. Saints are a bit of a disaster. The Saints with Mike Thomas, I think he's out.
1: I'm not really sure about the status of Alvin Kamara, but Alvin Kamara, let me like check something really, really quickly. Like, I know his numbers have dipped probably. Yeah, they've dipped. He went from essentially averaging like almost five yards a carry to last season averaging 3.7 and then this season averaging like 4.2. And his numbers have always like had these fluctuations when it comes to touchdowns and I don't really know how the Saints plan to use him as a football player because the Saints when like really before last season he didn't even not even really but definitively before last season he never had 200 carries and that was incredibly intentional with Drew Brees being retired and Mike Thomas being hurt they had to use him more and it was bad he had 3.7 yards per carry which is bad 240 yards. For the first time in his career, he had over 200 touches. And he has never had 1,000 yards. It's a bit shocking. It really is. But he's a do-it-all back. His numbers, they always fluctuate. He always has a significant amount of yards in the passing game as well. But um, his stats are bad, man. They're really, really fucking bad. And I don't think that they win this game... Like, I don't, I was about to, I was like, wait, did I pick the Saints? I'm, I'm tired. It's late.
0: It's midnight. But it's like the Saints. Oh, man. I said it last week where I was like, I learned that the Saints and Jameis
1: Winston are a bit of a joke. Like, Jameis Winston isn't very good. I was just like, I don't understand why the Saints are playing tit for tat with Jameis Winston. They need a quarterback. I don't know why they traded their first round draft pick next year. To get into the like their first to get two first round draft picks this year and get Trevor Penning and Chris Olave. And I'm just like, guys, like you need a quarterback, and you probably should have saved your first round draft pick next year in the effort to potentially get one. Because now they don't have one. And now it's just like, uh, wait a second. We don't have a first round draft pick. We can't draft a quarterback. And it's like, do you want Jimmy Garoppolo? Jimmy Garoppolo is not very good. And I've been saying it for like the longest time. I'm like Shanahan's Shanahan's offense is the reason why Jimmy Garoppolo is great, not because he has any like, not because he's a great quarterback, but he's a backup. And I've been saying that for the longest of times, and then it came true this year. Not necessarily because Mike McDaniel, excuse me, not because Kyle Shanahan you know, um, doesn't have players or whatever, but because apparently Mike McDaniel had left. Regardless, the Vikings, better overall team, better defense, uh, better food, pop better pizza, Papa John's. <laughs> but um the Vikings, I think this could be potentially a resurgence game for Justin Jefferson. If it's not, it's just like Adam Thielen will potentially take over. I think the Saints are a worse football team. I would be shocked. I would be mortified. I would be terrified if the Vikings lose this game. Because I feel like the Saints our team that they should mollywop, that they should steamroll, that they should just, I mean, goodness gracious, just run straight through. It would be bad if they didn't. Vikings over the Saints in London. Seattle versus Lions, oh my god. What an absolute disaster of a football game. Uh, I'm so glad I won't watch it at all. Um, two of the worst teams in the NFL on the exact same field, yikes. Holy fucking shit. What a terrible football game to watch if anybody watches it. But I'm picking the Lions over Seattle. I don't believe in Geno Smith. I don't believe he will have as great of a game as he did against the Lions as he did against the Broncos. And really, he hasn't had a great game ever since. And the Lions are, at this point, probably better coached. Probably better coached. And Seattle has nobody. I don't know how they beat the Broncos. It's a referendum on how terrible of a job Nathaniel Hackett did week one, game one against Seattle. Where when you look at their roster, Seattle's, you're just like, they have no football players at all. They have nobody that can make an, a huge impact on the game. That's what I mean by they they don't have any football players. They don't have an elite pass rusher. They don't have an elite corner. They lost... Jamal Adams in the first game for the entire season, by the way, with like a quad injury. They have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, but really like outside of Charles Cross, they like Geno Smith shouldn't have been able to have wheeled and dealed the way that he did against the Broncos. And I know that I'm like constantly referencing that game, but there is no way he should have been able to have like played that well against the Broncos. Regardless, he's not played that well. Since and I don't think he'll play as well against the Lions and the Lions are going to be super interesting because Aiden had a la- Aiden Hutchinson, the number two overall pick of this year's draft, had a really great game against the uh, uh who did they play last week? I think the Vikings. I think he had like three sacks or something like that. Had a phenomenal game. I'm taking the Lions over Seattle. I will not underestimate just how competitive they are in some of their games. I think that will inevitably fold and crack because I don't think they have the personnel. But this is a riskier game because Deandre Swift and Amon Ross St. Brown are both out. So I could be eating my words and the Lions, they don't really have any like great quarters, but they do have a great offensive line and some great runner uh in a great running game as well. So we'll see what happens. Lions over Seattle. Sunday, one o'clock game. Jets at Steelers. I'm taking the Jets. Uh I do not like the Jets. I don't like the Steelers. I think the Steelers are better coach, but I think the Jets have better overall players as well. I'm a bit shocked that um that the Jets kind of haven't pulled it pulled it together. I will say this. Zach Wilson for the Jets is such an interesting player because Trevor Lawrence has been absolutely phenomenal this year relative to what he was last year. He's kind of figured it out with no wide receivers for the most part, by the way, besides Christian Kirk, who I don't consider a great wide receiver at all, by the way. That's saying something, but he's figured it out. I had Zach Wilson over Trevor because of just raw talent, raw expertise, but Trevor's probably getting better coached down in Jacksonville. Zach Wilson is kind of in a black, dark abyss Excuse me, a green, dark abyss that is known as the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. And they're going up against the Steelers. The Jets, man, they're just not very well run. And I worry about Robert Sala being a good coach. Uh, you know that they're going to run the football with Najee Harris. You know that they're going to try and establish the run, and you know they have top-tier weapons. Um, shockingly enough, Ahmad Gardner, who I have like watched on and off, He's had some pretty good reps. He had some pretty great reps against Jamar Chase. To be honest with you.
0: What's Jamar's uh, stat line last week?
1: Let me uh, let me look up Jamar
0: Chase's stat lines. Hold on. Or was it two weeks ago? When did the Bengals play the Jets again? It wasn't week two? It was week three. Okay, here we go. Jamar Chase had six
1: targets, 29 yards, 4.8 yards per catch. Not very good. He did have a tutty, but like, you know, again, he wasn't like what he was before. Where he's getting like 15 touchdowns in a season and like 1,600 yards or something like that. Again, it's hard to be Randy Moss. Like everybody's like Jamar Chase has had a down year or whatever. Again, it's hard to be Randy Moss. You know what I mean? It's hard to get like 1,500 yards, almost 20 touchdowns. And I said it. Before, I was like, look, for everybody that's like X player, X young wide receiver is going to get you like 1,500 yards, almost 20 touchdowns in a regular season. I'm like, you are insane. You're insane. I was like, that should not be the expectation for Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and all of these other wide receivers that are coming into the league super young. Because that is Randy Moss with like Tom Brady, you know? The only guy that really hasn't struggled this season for the most part is Cooper Cup. He's been phenomenal. But even then, he had like a bad game against the Cardinals, so. Where he had like four receptions, 44 yards, zero huddies. But outside of that, he's had two consecutive 100-yard games. We'll talk about the Rams versus the 49ers here in a couple of minutes. But Jets over Steelers. I think Zach Wilson comes in and plays. They have Brees Hall. I think the Steelers are in a bit of a mess when it comes to quarterbacks. Uh, Mike Tomlin, Mikey T, love him, love him to death. But he was just like, "Eh, you know, like we're sticking with Mitchell Trubisky. I think that's a bad decision. Um, They may riot in the streets of Pittsburgh if they don't play Kenny Pickett soon. They have George Pickens. They have Chase Claypool. They have Deontay Johnson. They have Najee Harris. They don't have the offensive line, they have the weapons. They just don't have the quarterback. And I said so a couple of weeks ago when I referenced the Patriots versus the Steelers. I was like, it's such an interesting dichotomy between the two teams because the Patriots, they have the quarterback but no weapons. The Steelers have the weapons with no quarterback. And it's just like, if only one team could have the other, if the Patriots had the weapons or the Steelers had the
0: quarterback. I'm just saying. Bears at Giants. I'm not taking the Bears. I'm stubborn. I'm
1: taking the Giants. Taking the Giants. I think the Bears are a train wreck. And, you know, everybody is dumping and dogpiling on Justin Jefferson or Justin Fields. And I said it last year. I said he's a borderline first rounder. He's a first rounder, borderline first rounder. If you took him in the second round, wouldn't have been mad. Everybody was, oh my God, Justin
0: Fields. They were clapping it up. I remember Ryan Clark said that he's better than Trevor Lawrence. Okay. But Tre- but not Trevor, Justin lacks development. I said so last year. I said so this year. He lacks development. And so the Bears do him no justice, no help. They give him no help. They don't
1: give him an offensive line. They don't give him wideouts. They don't give him a defense. Somehow, someway, he's two and one. He should be zero oh three. If, if there was fairness and justice in the world, they should be 0-3, going potentially into a six-game win. Winning year. Win six games. They should, that's what the record should be. The Giants, I wish they would just expose themselves. That may not happen for weeks. But until that time happens, I'm going to pick the Giants. I think Saquon probably has another good game because uh, he had a good game against the Cowboys, and the Cowboys have a decent pass rush and Defensive line. I think there are some mistakes made that allowed Saquon to break free, and he has that high explosion, these high production, high efficiency plays. And I don't think the Bears defensively are very good when it comes to uh, to gap discipline and things of that nature. And some of their defensive schemes are just terrible coming out of Matt Eberflus. Now Brian Dable isn't to me that good of a coach as well. At this point in the game, I feel like he should probably be. I feel like he should have been like. 1-2 1-2 to maybe even 0-3. Oh he should have lost against the Titans. He probably should have lost against the Panthers. I don't like Brian Dable at all. I've been very, very clear on that since he got hired. I was like, Josh, Josh Allen made him not the other way around. Stop even implying that. Because I don't know if people notice this, but Josh Allen without Brian Dable, still pretty good. Daniel Jones with Brian Dable, still Daniel Jones.
0: Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> But uh, the Bears, they're a disaster. So are the
1: Giants. But I think that the Bears are a bigger disaster. So I'm picking the Giants. And I think Saquon probably pops off. We'll see. Titans at Colts. Colts, excuse me. Just a snooze fest of a football game. Go away, Titans. Go away. Show your ass. Show your ass. Show your ass. Show your ass. But until you show your ass and until you expose yourself, I'll pick you against the Colts. Here's the reason why. Colts shouldn't have won last game,
0: the last game, against Against the um the Chiefs. In my opinion, the
1: Titans will struggle offensively against the Colts this weekend. Matt Ryan made some good throws last weekend, but he was oh, he was overall inconsistent all last weekend as well. Derrick Henry started to pop a little bit last week for the Titans. Ryan Tannehill still really hasn't found his his uh. Just like any consistency. He's been inconsistent. Excuse me. It's the reverse. He's been consistently inconsistent for the majority of the season. If not the entirety of the season. But I think the Colts are a disaster of a football team. They are getting Shaq Leonard back this weekend. So that will help them just overall when it comes to being able to potentially stop Derrick Henry. So maybe I'll have to eat my words here. But I mean, I'm not going to pretend that maybe it's because I'm bitter about the Colts, but the Colts should be 0 and 3. The Colts should be 0 and 3. The Titans I think are 1 and 2. They're both 1 and 2. Or no, 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 no. I think the Titans haven't won a football game. No, they have. They're both 1 and 2. Or technically the Colts are 1-1 and 1. Colts should be winless. They're a joke. They're a jo- Colts are a joke. Titans are a joke. It's a it's the it's the joke bowl. It's a joke bowl. Just like, who is the less bigger joke? I think, ten, I think on Sunday, it'll be the Titans. So I'm picking the Titans over the Colts. They're both jokes. Really, potentially, Frank Wright probably should be fired. The GM, Chris Ballard, probably should also be fired. This is like the third quarterback that they've gone uh, gone out for. And this is the third time where it's just like, oh, this is a bit of a joke. Titans at Colts I'm picking the Titans. Chargers at Texans. I don't even think it needs to be said. Chargers over the Texans. I know that Keenan Allen is out. I know that Rashawn Slater is out for the entirety of the year. Joey Bosa it go, like gets downgraded from like week to week to he had the surgery on his groin or his core. Whatever was the issue, he had a surgery for it.
0: And now he is done. He is out. I think he's on IR right now. He's gone. He's done. He's out. On top of that, isn't J.C. Jackson out? They are just missing so many football players
1: down there in um <clears throat> in in l a with all that being said, i still still and Justin Herbert is hurt by the way again, all that being said,
0: I think that they are still still a better football team than the uh, Houston
1: Texans and the Houston Texans have been playing pretty well despite not having any
0: talent themselves but uh, I I just look around and I'm just like
1: how are the Houston Texans supposed to win this game against Justin Herbert
0: how How? I, I don't know how I don't get how I'm confused how I don't think they will.
1: I think Justin will find a way. If the Chargers lose this game, if the fucking Chargers lose this game when the Texans have nobody, and I would still take the Chargers over the Texans. If the Chargers lose this game, oh my God, I am going to go ballistic. 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 Because Brandon Saley, once again, proves how inept he is at a head coaching position that really should be one of the easiest in the NFL. Like, really, it it should be at at this point. And he's, he's mediocre to below mediocre at best. Browns at Falcons. Browns. Uh, they'll just run the football with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt the which is what they've been doing for the last like three weeks. There's no more that needs to be said on that. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. Cowboys versus Commanders. Let me try to find like a game day pick. I'm trying to like I'm on um I'm trying to like watch two videos at the exact same time. Hold on, let me like mute one. Hold on. Like can't, like, play them in the background or whatever if, um, if they're muted. So, I'm, like, I'm trying to, like, watch. Or not watch them, but I'm trying to get, like, the results. Okay, everybody's faking the Cowboys. I'm, like, as they, as they should. It's, like, they're going to go in to Dallas. It's a home game for Dallas, by the way. It's a home game for Dallas. Dallas is about to go back home for what will probably be the final time I don't know, not for the final time, but for the first time this year. They're going to go back home. They're going to have their first divisional game against inarguably the worst team in their division, one of the worst teams in the NFL, the Washington Commanders. They're going to go back to Dallas and they're going to crush them. Crush, crush them. They're going to crush them. Without remorse, without sympathy, with no regard for human life, they will crush them. And it probably won't be very close.
0: I mean, crush implies that, but you know what I mean. Last week, the Jags, or not the Jags, the
1: Eagles sacked Carson Wentz nine times. I don't think there needs to be any more conversation about that. Cowboys are going to crush the Commanders on Sunday. Please, after winning two games with Cooper Rush, make it a third. Apparently, by the by, Jack Prescott, ha huh, huh, what? Coming back for the Rams game. He's already throwing. Oh, my God. I am so excited. Going back to the Rams after the Cowboys have had a fantastic first couple of games of the regular season without him. I think Dak Prescott is itchy to come back, and when he comes back, he's going to play up against the Rams. He's going to go up against the Rams, who are, al- who are already starting to slide and fade a little bit. Fade. They're fading. They're fading. Lightning McQueen is fading. Rams are already fading. Matt Safford is not playing well. Cooper Cup once again had a bad game last week. God. Cowboys are on the uptick. That's what I learned from week three. I'm like, Cowboys are on the uptick. They have one of the best left tackles in the NFL. They have one of the best defensive lines, if not the best defensive lines in the NFL, and they have easily, easily, one of the best football players in the
0: NFL. Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons. Jags at Eagles. Surprise of the day. I'm taking the Jags.
1: Doug Peterson going back to Philly, going back to the town, the city, that owes him a big applause, big congratulations for winning their own Super Bowl, their only Super Bowl. I think they're going to take it. I don't think Jalen Hurts is as good as his statistics say he is, which his statistics say that he is, like, on the level of Patrick Mahomes. And Josh Allen, they're scoring, like, almost 30 points a game. But it's against the Lions, the Vikings, and the Commanders. I'm not one to, like, check your resume. You know what I mean? I'm not one to be like, well, this team didn't play, uh, didn't play good teams. I'm not one of those guys. You know, you play who you play, things of that nature. But I have seen every single football game from the Eagles. And it's like the Lions were their... Best competition that they've played against. The Vikings were borderline not a football team. They were like not a
0: professional football team for the most part. The Commanders are a joke. A un
1: like I never want to see a Commanders game ever again. And I'm going to watch one against the, com- <laughs> against the Cowboys. But I feel like their competition has been significantly lower than the average and i'm interested to see what will happen when they play up against a good team right now i have the jags making it to the playoffs excuse me they, i don't have them making it to the playoffs they have themselves making it to the playoffs they're the one seed in their division they're what like 3 and 0 or 2 and 0 2 and 1 i think they're winning games they're 2 and 1 they're winning games they lost against the commanders god knows how that happens i don't
0: they're 2 and 1 they're very successful this year. So, I think they run into uh, a little bit
1: of a gauntlet. I think they run into the Jags, and I think the Jags beat the Eagles. I don't think, like, I remember PFF was like, Jordan Davis is one of the best, is like the best performing rookies in the NFL, and I'm like, you haven't watched Tyler Smith yet, apparently. But okay. I haven't seen Jordan Davis that much, too. Like, I haven't seen him. But like, we'll we'll see. We'll see about Jordan Davis and the uh, the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. Watched like two Philadelphia Eagle games, and it's just like, I don't know. Maybe, I I, I don't know, I don't know, regardless. Jags at Eagles, I'm taking the Jags. Are they going to shut down A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith? I don't think they do. I think they rush the passer. I think that the Eagles' offensive line is more suspect than what is being portrayed right now, and I'm a bit shocked that people haven't been able to take advantage of it. Look, the Cowboys game against the Eagles in two weeks is going to be so interesting. And the reason for that, in my opinion, is because I think the Cowboys will go in and dominate their offensive line because they did so last year with, like, Micah Parsons playing multiple positions and not really building their
0: defense around him. And they dominated. Trevon Diggs fucking crushed Devontae Smith. And it's just like... That was
1: without DeMarcus Lawrence, who is on a fucking heater now, finally. After like three or four years of me being like, where the fuck is DeMarcus Lawrence? It's just like three sacks. I'm like, finally. Please do it against the Rams and the Giants. And uh, not the Giants, he did it against the Giants. The Rams and the Commanders and the fucking Eagles. Please, please do it. But I think Dallas and the Eagles in the next two weeks is going to be so interesting. Because I think Dak will be back. Dak will be back. He's already throwing. And I think the Cowboys will potentially be able to contend in that for that one seed in the NFC East. Which is now looking, oh my God, like a real division now. Shout out to everybody that was like, this is the weakest division in football. Like, how does it look now? Jags at Eagles, though. Taking the Jags. I think Trevon Walker can get there at least once. And I think that the
0: Eagles offense is suspect. We'll see. We'll see. Anyways, Bills out Ravens. My gut is like telling me
1: there is no way that they'll go back to back. There's no way that the Bills will lose back to back games against a suspect Raven secondary. I just believe in Lamar Jackson way too much. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'll be wrong. I don't mind.
0: Betting on one of the best horses and being wrong, you know? It's like, you know, I, I don't mind,
1: you know, putting money on Hussein Bolt on a 100-meter sprint and then losing. It's just like, yeah, I, I, I bet on the right guy. It just didn't ha- happen. It's just like that's what happens sometimes. Sometimes you put your faith in something, and sometimes it just doesn't come through. It happens. It's life. I don't mind picking the Ravens and being like, Lamar Jackson has played phenomenally. He has, I think, almost four touchdowns in almost every single game this year. And with a suspect offensive line, or excuse me, not offensive line, secondary. I'm a little bit tired. I apologize. With a suspect secondary of the Bills, and yes, there's also a suspect secondary for the Ravens as well. So I don't want to, like, make that, you know, not clear. It's like both teams have, like suspect secondaries, but with a suspect secondary for the Bills, with Rashad Bateman coming absolutely alive for the Baltimore Ravens, with Mark Andrews as well, and with Lamar Jackson being able to still run the football down people's throats, I think that the Ravens will, can, can take it. And I think the, the Bills are a little bit on tilt, to be honest with you. I think the Bills, their problem initially and consistently is getting in their own way. They get in their own way in all of their championship games by not playing defense well against the chiefs in overtime or not even in overtime, but before overtime with like 19 or 20 seconds left when like literally the chiefs are just not even the chiefs, but the chiefs are like dead to rights. They're just like, we're just going to play prevent defense when the chiefs only need a field goal. Great job. Leslie Frazier. But I think the, the the Bills they like the Dolphins the Dolphins game as well like comes to mind when it's just like you should have been able to have won that game.
0: The Ravens defense though, without Wink Martindale has suffered. I mean that's incredibly
1: obvious. But again, I'm not betting on John Harbaugh in his coaching staff. I'm not betting on the Ravens defense. I'm not betting on um. I'm not betting on anyone but Lamar Jackson. I am saying that the Ravens are going to win because Lamar is going to win it for them. Like he's done for the last four years since entering into the NFL and becoming a
0: Baltimore Raven. Cardinals at Panthers. Are Are you serious? Cardinals? Cardinals? Very, very easy game. You know... Week three taught me something. It taught
1: me that there are certain guys that shouldn't be head coaches. Like, I knew Matt Rule was terrible. I knew Cliff Kingsbury was terrible. But just like the consistency of terribleness that we've seen throughout some teams and certain teams is kind of shocking. Like, Nathaniel Hackett is just just terrible. Like, his team isn't ready to play. His players look lost, dazed, and confused. His schemes are all extraordinarily predictable, and people know what
0: his football team is running. It's a shock at how bad his team has played with
1: so many good football players on it. The defense has probably been the best thing
0: about the team, and obviously it's the one thing that he does not coach. I say that because I look around the league sometimes and I'm just like, oh, Kevin O'Connell,
1: you're kind of in jeopardy. Matt Eberflus, Brian Dable, to me, you're not very good coaches. Brandon Staley probably is about to be out. Ron Rivera probably is about to be out. Matt Rule... I mean, we talked about a story last week about how if he had lost against the Saints last week, he probably would have been fired. Or if it was like a blowout, he probably would have been fired. And Cliff Kingsbury, they're both not very good coaches. Do I have that game? Please do not make me watch that game. I don't want to watch that game. I don't want to watch most of the games that are going to come on, but I I really don't want to watch. I mean, uh, if it's between the Cardinals and the Panthers and the Patriots and the Packers, I don't know. Packers are a bit of a snooze fest. Hold on. NFL football. Do I have that game? What games do I have?
0: What are the games? Oh god, I got the Patriots and the Packers. No oh, my god.
1: Not happy. But hey, I got the Bills and the Ravens, so at least I'll get to watch
0: El Freaky do his thing out there. Very excited for that game. But mm, it is what it is, unfortunately. Broncos at Raiders. Oh, God. Two of the worst
1: teams in the NFL. Two of the teams with a lot of expectations put on them. A lot of hope, a lot of dream with the hiring of their respective head coaches, with the acquisitions of their respective players, and Russell Wilson and Devontae Smith for their respective teams. A lot of hope and prayers have been lifted up for the Broncos and the Raiders, and they've both fallen short. Um, I think the Broncos are 2-1. and one. They should be 0-3. The Raiders are 0-3. And, and really, they should be
0: 0-4 this weekend. They should be. I won't predict that. I, you know what? This game is a toss-up, man. It's like, it could
1: go both ways because they're both terrible teams. I'll say it, they're both terrible teams. And they they shouldn't be terrible teams. I don't know if they'll get any better. They could be. I could be just dead wrong and Russell Wilson and the Broncos could figure out and the Raiders could as well later on in the season. It is a coin flip right now. It's like the Broncos are are the obviously better team on paper. They just have so much weapons and so many weapons uh, when it comes to the wide receiving core. It, it, it's kind of a joke that they cannot figure out just how To not get Russell Wilson hit. Just quick, quick throws. I'm watching UCLA versus Washington right now. They just ran a screenplay with number, ironically enough, 24. Who is he? I don't know. He looks like a running back. He looks huge. He is a running back,
0: yes. They just ran a screenplay with the back. I'm like, why don't you just do that? You know? But they can't
1: figure out, the Broncos cannot figure out how to get the ball to his weapons. To Russell Wilson's weapons. The Raiders are a mess. They're a joke. I hate the Raiders. This is a coin flip of a game. They're disappointing. They're horrendous. They're respective jokes
0: of two football teams. And I hate that we have to watch both of them play on Sunday. Because they're non-playoff teams as of this moment.
1: Patriots at Packers. It's the Packers. The Patriots aren't even going to start Mac Jones. He's hurt. Finally, Sunday night and Monday night footballs, respectively. Chiefs at Bucks. Rams at 49ers. To me, they're two very, very fast and simple games to play. The Chiefs over the Bucks on Sunday night because the Chiefs have been one of the best football teams in America, and they just had a bad game against the Colts, and I don't think they have the same game, and I love Devin White. He said that the offensive line that they played two years ago in the Super Bowl is the exact same offensive line. That's not the case whatsoever. They actually have good players instead of, like, a third-string backup tackle for Devin White and Shaq Barrett to beat up on. I think it was maybe Shaq Barrett that said that. I don't remember. Again, a little bit tired. I think it was Shaq Barrett, actually. Regardless, even though though they don't have Tyreek Hill, even though they struggled against the Colts, a little bit of an uncharacteristic drop for um for Travis Kelsey that would have won them the game. Like he dropped essentially a touchdown. I don't think that I don't think the Chiefs go into Tampa Bay and lose that game. Now, what's going to be interesting, simply put, is that this is after the devastation that Hurricane Ian uh left in its wake in South Florida. So you can have, for example, a very, very emotional, energized and, and again, the, most of the devastation didn't happen in Tampa. It happened south of Tampa Bay. But still, I think there's going to be people that are very, very happy to not have to focus on the damage that Hurricane Ian left in South Florida and are going to be happy to just watch a football game. And I think Tampa Bay, the uh, the players and the fans will will feed off of that energy and potentially they could rally against the Chiefs. With Mike Evans, by the way, being back.
0: I still will have the Chiefs over Tampa Bay. I think Chris Jones is awesome. I think Frank Clark is
1: awesome. They have the pass rusher from Purdue, George Carl I think Tampa's offensive line is super suspect. And I don't think that um that they'll be able to go up. In- I'm I'll say I'll say this. I'm watching. 15th ranked Washington against UCLA tonight. I got to watch Dorian Thompson Robinson who is absolutely giving Washington the business right now. Like just he had this touchdown run. It was like this read option where he had this this night like um where he had like two guys trying to crash down on him once they realized it was a read option play. They played it like borderline perfectly. They played it as well as they could and he just fucking literally stutter steps back and runs in and like skips into the, uh, to the end zone. Who the fuck is this guy? Dorian
0: Thompson Robinson. Like, who is this guy? Seems like he has a good arm. Like, is he accurate? He has eight touchdowns, one interception, a hundred and, and 896 yards. This is I'm like, I'm I'm evaluating he
1: oh okay. Yeah, his his completion percentage is through the roof. Through the roof. Colorado State, it was eighty-two percent. University of Southern Alabama, sixty-six percent. It hasn't fallen below like sixty-six percent. The U, uh, the UCA game, the USA game was his worst game. Worst game, 66%. I'm looking, whenever I'm evaluating quarterbacks in college, statistically, and you can evaluate quarterbacks statistically, you can like use it as like a benchmark, but it can't be your only evaluation.
0: Hold on. Let me, um, let me plug in my computer. It's almost out of battery. Hold on. Let me get it. Hold on. Sorry about that. When you are evaluating quarterbacks with with their
1: like statistics, I'm trying to uh, to evaluate them and their efficient in their efficiency. Excuse me, I'm again a little bit tired. If I said something weird, I'm trying to evaluate their efficiency. I'm trying to evaluate their like their completion percentage. How high is it? How low is it? Their yards per game. He's getting like he kind of like his statistics are a little bit like Lamar. Let me see his rushing. Yeah, it's kind of like Lamar Jackson where it's like he'll pop off for, what is it, for like 200 yards and then he'll have somewhere close to like 50 to 80 yards on the ground as well. But his efficiency in the running game is also very high. Like he's had some two games where it's a little bit inconsistent out of four, obviously. But I've been watching the, uh, the Washington game and I'm like, huh. Washington game, he's fucking killing these guys. He's like 20 of 29. 258 yards, two touchdowns,
0: zero interceptions, 166.5 pass rating. Fucking killing these guys right now. Huh. Interesting. His completion percentage throughout
1: the last... I mean, this is his best year. And it looks like Dorian Thompson Robinson is going to eclipse whatever he threw over the last couple of years. I got to watch him. Because again, he's giving the business to you, to, to Washington right now. And Washington
0: is ranked, and UCLA is not. So. Interesting. Interesting.
1: I haven't talked about college football because I can't find a player that I like to root for. Yeah, we'll see. Anyways, going back to game day picks. Talked about the Chiefs and the Bucks. I'm taking the Chiefs over the Bucks. Finally, we'll
0: stop at the Rams versus the Niners. Rams at Niners. It's another just like straight up.
1: It's an easy game. The 49ers are without Trent Williams. I know that. And by the way, Joey, not Joey, Nick Bosa, monster. Monster. He's Micah Parsons. We don't talk about him enough, I think, because of some of the off-the-field stuff, like with his weirdo girlfriend, and some of the comments that he's made. He's a bit of a weird guy. By weird, I mean he's um, uh, he has some like he's he's a weird guy. I'll say that without getting too much in the weeds in that regard. But, like, Nick Bosa is an awesome football player, though. He has four sacks in three weeks. Awesome football player. Awesome. And if you were to tell me, okay, Rams don't have Andrew Whitworth, I'm like, rut-row, like Scooby-Doo, that's an issue. But I don't believe Jimmy, once again, is as good. And I've said this before, and I'll say this again. I don't think he's as good as advertised. I don't think he's anywhere close to where people think he is. Like, some people are like, top-ten quarterback. I'm like, no, he's not even average. He's... A backup. He's a backup that has been masquerading as one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And people have been throwing around that narrative for years. And they're going to go up against Sean McVay and Cooper Cup on Monday Night Football. And they're probably going to get their butt cheeks clapped. They've been terrible all year long. They're
0: what? One and two? They're one and two, right? Yeah, they're one and two. They're a joke. Yeah. Like... Oh, my God. It's a joke. It really is. But um, anyways, I'm peacing out for tonight.
1: I won't see you Saturday like I normally do. I'll see you Sunday for two podcasts, not three. And then we'll take another break on Monday. And then I'll come back Tuesday for kind of like wrapping up the weekend and talking maybe uh, potentially about college football. Anyways.
0: I'll see you Sunday for Sunday Action 24's Podcast.